0: Welcome back to another episode of Top Dogs. I am Terrence Oglesby, former Thompson Bar, current ACC Network analyst, and the man who is in the Bahamas right now to cover the battle for Atlantis. He's going to join me in a little bit to preview this year's event that UConn is playing in, of course, uh, and to talk a little bit about this matchup with Auburn and potential matchups with Michigan State, with Loyola Chicago, with Baylor, with Syracuse, with Arizona State. We're going to go into every single angle and every single aspect of that tournament that you could possibly want. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we do, I do want to talk a little bit about the commitment that UConn got over the weekend from Stephen Castle, a high four-star kind of borderline top 25 recruit from the class of 2023 out of Georgia. He's six foot six. He can play on the ball a little bit. He can play off the ball a little bit. Uh, real high potential, high ceiling kind of a guy. Uh, and I think that honestly, this is exactly the kind of player that UConn needs to be targeting. Um That's why I'm so high on this commitment. That's why I'm so high on the staff. That's why I think that uh, the program is really trending in the direction where we can kind of get back to a point of it competing with Villanova for being the best place, uh, the the best place to go in the Big East and and a place where you can win Big East titles. Um, I'm firmly of the belief that what UConn needs to do is land guys that can be pros in two to three years. Land guys that are going to end up being the next James like Land guys that you can develop over time and turn into pros when they are already on campus. The buzzword that we heard over and over and over this off season from Dan Hurley was wall potential, right? We kept talking about Jordan Hawkins saying wall potential. We kept talking about Samson Johnson saying wall potential. And those guys really haven't contributed that much to the first four games of the season. Um, and I think that it's because they have a way to go in their development. But if you look at the physical tools that they have and the talent that they have and the ability that they have to develop and to turn into players, like those, those are both kids that have NBA potential. And if you look at UConn over the years, even in the Jim Calhoun era, even dating back 25 years, their best players and the biggest things that they've had, they're they're not getting these five-star obvious one and done guys. They're, they're not, they're not going after the same players as the Dukes and the Kentucky's for the most part, you're getting guys like an Emeka Okafor, who was a four-star prospect that came into the program and developed into the national Player of the year that eventually won a national title. We're talking about guys like Ben Gordon. Uh, We're talking about guys like even a Ray Allen. We're talking about a Kemba Walker. We're talking about a Shabazz Napier. We're talking about a guy like James Booknight, who was the number 87 recruit in his class. You want to get these guys that are going to be on campus for multiple years. One, because it reduces the turnover in your program. That is the single toughest thing that college basketball programs and college basketball coaches have to deal with today. That is the changing nature of the sport. We have so much turnover on these rosters. The teams that can kind of keep that continuity and keep their teams together and turn their rosters into a team are the ones that are winning national titles. Villanova did it. North Carolina did it in 2017. Virginia did it in 2019. Baylor did it last year in 2021. That's what you need to be able to do. And by getting guys that are going to take a little bit of time to develop, but still have that ceiling of being a lottery pick as a junior, as a sophomore, that allows you to kind of keep that continuity within the program. That allows you to develop more of a culture that allows you to have guys that are going to buy in more to the program and the school and to have a little bit of love for it. than guys that are just looking at that as a stopover for eight months before they're off to the NBA. It, reduces the stress that you're going to put on, on, uh, on, on your recruiters. It reduces the amount of uh, resources and time that you're going to expend on getting someone on campus. That's only going to be there for eight months, but you still get the end result of having guys that end up being pros and having guys that can end up having that high level and high ceiling of talent. So uh, I think they're, they're going after the right guys. The second part of it is that when you do, Establish yourself as a place where players get better, you're going to start getting more and more guys like that. Like let's say, let's say that Samson Johnson and Jordan Hawkins, uh, Jordan Hawkins next year ends up being a first-round pick. Samson Johnson as a junior ends up being a first-round pick. Adama Sinogo as a junior ends up being biggie's player of the year. He might even be Biggie's player of the year this year, depending on how things kind of break out. But when you establish yourself as a program where people can keep continue to get better recruits are going to recognize that AU coaches are going to recognize that high school coaches are going to recognize that it's going to become known that this is a place that you can go and continue to work. And you're going to have more of a chance to go after the guys that you're looking for. That's part of why Villanova can go in and get all of the Villanova guys that they want, because they know exactly who they're looking for. They know exactly what that player is going to, uh, is going to be like, and they can go get those guys because the the Villanova guys want to go there. And I think that with UConn, that's something that you need to find and need to establish kind of a, uh, a, I don't want to say like a necessarily a brand, that's probably the wrong way to phrase it, but you need to establish yourself as a program where guys go in, get better, get off to the NBA in two or three years, and, and you can develop people. And I think if we can do that with James Booknight and Adama Sunogo and then Jordan Hawkins and the Samson Johnson, then all of a sudden you're going to see us getting involved with more players and more recruits that have a chance to reach that ceiling and that potential. Because at the end of the day, that NBA talent is what is the difference maker. I think we're seeing that a little bit with Villanova this season. And I've made this point on on, uh, other podcasts and other shows before. The biggest issue with Villanova over the course of their two games against UCLA and Purdue is they don't have that one player you can give the ball to and trust that he's going to be able to make something happen outside of the offense, outside of the system, outside of everything else. Purdue's got a kid named Jade Knight. When things are breaking down for Matt Painter, he knows that no matter what happens, he can give the ball to Jaden Ivy, and something good is probably going to end up happening on that possession for UCLA is Jaime Hawkins and Johnny Tuesday. If things are not going well and you're running into the end of a clock and you just need someone to go make a play, they have dudes that can go out and make dude plays. I think UConn has that with Adonis Sudoku this year. I think that UConn last year had that with James Bookman and those are the difference makers. Those are what takes you from being a good team that can compete to a good team that is going to win games that maybe you're not supposed to win, to being a team that can make a run in the tournament, to being a team that can get back to a Final Four, that can win biggies titles again, that can maybe win another national title. And I think that they're well on their way to doing that. And continuing to land players like Stefan Castle is going to be uh, the biggest thing for this program long-term moving forward. You don't have to get three, four, five of them every single class, but get one or two, you know, always have a guy that that you know that has a chance to be the next dude at UConn. And right now, Stephen Castle, after Jordan Hawkins, after Samson Johnson, has a chance to be the next dude at UConn. And that, for UConn fans, should be something that has the very, very excited, long-term big picture about the trajectory of where this program is heading. But that's enough about recruits that aren't going to be on campus for two years. Let's get into the games that are happening in three days, Bring on my guy, Terrence Oglesby, and we're going to talk about the battle for Atlantis after this commercial break. Before we move on, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at BetRivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for BetRivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush payments and approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer. It's more secure and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, get in on the action at BetRivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. AJ Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Devendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins, and North Carolina's Shaman Williams, and Michigan's Sue Douglas, and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now, so hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 Media Network, your home for college football, now let me welcome on to Top Dogs, my partner in crime over at the Doster T O and Fanta podcast, as well as a former Clemson shooting guard and a current ACC Network analyst, the one and only Terrence Oglesby, who is currently in the Bahamas right now. Uh, I don't think you're technically at Atlantis. Are you at Atlantis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on.
1: I'm on property. I'm here.
0: So yeah, he's, here. he's He's at Atlantis. He's uh he's got a great view, uh, white sand beaches. Beautiful. Uh, okay, weather so far. Okay, weather so far. It's weather. cleared up. It's cleared up
1: since we since we've been on. It's cleared up. Well, I mean, since we've been on our, we, we filmed a bunch of stuff here, but it's cleared up since we began talking about an hour ago. A
0: tough life you're living down there. Hard. Uh, it's hard. On the beach. Anyway, so we're here to talk about the battle for Atlantis. You are covering it in person, uh, and you know, I just kind of wanted to bring you on so we can talk a little bit about the field, a little bit about UConn's path towards a championship, and what uh, winning this this event would mean. Uh, for the program so first and foremost let's start with this um UConn gets Auburn in the first round uh mm-hmm. it's going to be a believe a 2:30 tip off on Wednesday afternoon uh 2 eastern time um but what is your what has been your takeaway so far from Auburn are you concerned about some of their performances the last game that they played it was a 58 52 win over South Florida where they trailed by as many as 10 points in the first half so talk to me a little bit about the Tigers
1: I'm worried I'm worried. We picked them at the beginning, or I picked them as one of my final four teams because I just have so much faith in Bruce Pearl. But, man, the guard play for Auburn hasn't been as good as what we thought. Uh, I thought, show it to God, they bring in three transfer guards. All three can play the lead guard at their previous destination. They haven't been very good. Uh, UConn should have an advantage in that department. But, man, they're going to have a hard – it's going to be a tough night. You're going to see a lot of Adama because Walker Kessler is really good. Jabari Smith is really good. Those That 4-5 combination is about as talented – it's not a bruising 4-5 combination. It's a talented 4-5 combination. So it's going to be – I think, in my opinion, UConn has big-time guards. I think they're very good in the backcourt. It's going to be a very good backcourt against a very good frontcourt. Adama Sinogo is going to have to – Cancel out a lot of what those other two guys are doing, but uh, it's possible, especially guards. It's a guards game, especially if you turn it over and you have trouble uh, going against pressure. Obviously, Hurley has his guys really – they play so hard. I could envision Auburn having a hard time with UConn in that game.
0: Yeah, the the big thing, I think, is that um, Auburn's guards are – not what we would necessarily expect out of a typical Auburn team. You think of someone like a Jared Harper. You think of someone like a Samir Dowdy. Uh, you think of players that are kind of at that level. And um, the group that they have, it's uh, Wendell Green, who is a sophomore transfer from, I believe it was Western Kentucky. You yep. have Jimmy Johnson, another sophomore that transferred in from Georgia. And you have Zep Jasper, who is a fifth-year senior that transferred in from the College of Charleston. Uh, they have been fine. They have not been great, and I know Bruce Pearl is not necessarily as enamored with that group as he typically is. The big thing is going to be the way they can kind of handle UConn's pressure, right? You yeah. know that UConn's going to, going to be um, playing you pretty physical. You know they're going to try to force turnovers. You know they're going to try to turn those turnovers into layups. It's kind of what UConn does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be very interested to see how they can handle it. I think, to me, that's going to be the key of this match.
1: Yeah, and if – you're able to space the floor and hit shots. Jalen Gaffney started off great. I, I, I mentioned him to start out the year. I, I, he's got a smooth-looking jump shot. I think he played for We Are One, an Under Armour circuit team. He was really good in high school. I really enjoyed watching him play. And it's like some of these smaller guards, especially when they're really frail, take a little bit of time. And it seems like he started to get comfortable. Well, he's a junior. And it, it's like those two years prior, he's finally adjusted. Man, he can really shoot the bat. Was he 8 of 13 to start the year?
0: Yeah, it's not bad. for sources. It's not
1: terrible. It's not terrible. And I, I thought window was it window green. I thought he was going to be a much better player for Auburn than what he's turned out to be so far. He's he's won at every level he's been at. He's a quality. He was a quality starter for Eastern Kentucky, and that's a team that kind of plays similar to Auburn in that they like to get up and pressure the ball and play fast. And he just hasn't been as good as what a lot of people thought he's going to be.
0: Yeah, I think the good news for UConn here is that um, Alan Flanagan is not going to be playing. And for people that have not seen Alan, Alan Flanagan play, the dude, yeah, the he's dude, probably as good as Jamar Smith is, I, I would say that Alan Flanagan is probably their their best player. Um, I mean, he's a lefty, big time athlete, big time scorer, can really shoot. It is has the kind of length in athleticism that can make uh, the the pressing system for Bruce Pearl really work. Like what what Auburn essentially wants to do. Is turn you over, get the ball out in transition, and find someone sprinting to uh, sprinting to the three, or someone mm. sprinting to a layup. That's what they want: quick shots, quick threes, quick layups, and uh, and, and quick possessions defensively. That's and what the,
1: makes it and what yeah and what makes them really good is the fact that or well, potentially really good potentially really good is the fact that Jabari Walker can grab a rebound and go. He can initiate the offense on his own. He can get a rebound and take off, and then Walker Kessler can space the floor it's just, they need guards that can kind of get there because there's space, but without Flanagan there, they've struggled to really make that first chain of reactions occur with help coming over because Auburn does space the floor, but doesn't matter if you space the floor, if nobody can get to the rim.
0: Yeah. And I do think that this is going to be a game where the length and athleticism on UConn's wings are, are really going to have an advantage. Um, it's going to yeah. allow them to match up with guys like Devin Cambridge. I'm not, really all that worried about Isaiah Willie guarding Jabari Smith just because, I mean, Isaiah is awesome. Um, if that doesn't work out, you got to cook and cook. If that doesn't work out, you can throw Andre Jackson or Tyrese Martin on. We're going to be just fine going up against someone that is just a couple inches taller than them, right? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about him. I To me, I think the key um, for UConn is going to be establishing Adama early, right? You mentioned Walker Kessler. He's averaging like four blocks a game this year, but he hasn't really played great. Um, And I do think that he is someone where, because he's a little taller, because he's a little lankier, when you have the the low center of gravity that Sonogo does, Mm -hmm. he should be able to get position whenever he wants, wherever he wants. And if you can establish Adama early and often and be able to get those buckets so you're not – I mean, look, you take away Auburn's transition game and you really take away what makes them dangerous. And the best way, the single best way to take away a transition game is to make the other team take the ball out of the basket, go out of bounds, and inbound Right. That's right.
1: That's right. And I will say this, even back to Kessler's time in North Carolina, he has a habit defensively of standing up straight. Yep. And you can't do that when you play against an absolute beast like Sunogo. And I'm excited to see him in person, the kind of physical specimen that he is. You say he's uh, much more skilled than uh, Oscar Toshiwe. We brought that point off, off there. I, I, if you're going to play against somebody that's like that, you cannot stand straight up because you will get your knees taken out on some of these seals. And uh, I think that's a place where you can negate Walker Kessler's talent because you're going to get him in foul trouble, especially when he's standing up straight in the ceiling hard.
0: Yeah. Like the thing about Adamo is one, he it looks like he's lost a little bit of weight this off season. And, and like, I remember him in my head being like big and physical and Jack and kind of being one of those guys where less like, yeah, you know what? You could probably seem to lose 10 or 15 pounds to kind of, get a little bit quicker, get a little bit lighter on your feet, that kind of a deal, right? If you look at him now, like he looks he, – he's leaned out. Mm. Maybe this is just the way that I'm just remembering things wrong, right? But it looks like he's leaned out a little bit. He's quicker on his feet. Uh, he'll he'll play away from the basket a little bit too. Like he's got a little bit of handle. I You don't want him facing up from like 18 feet and trying to beat people off the bounce. But sure. he has the ability to do it a little bit. Uh, I think that he's a good finisher around the basket. I'm a little bit worried about Walker's length. But, I mean, Adama's been de- dealing with guys that are that size for his entire career. So I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. But I think that's where, I mean, look, if you can establish position low enough, length is not necessarily going to matter uh, when you can finish around the basket. All right, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the field. Uh, if UConn wins, they will get the winner of Michigan State Loyola. Um, what do you, what have you seen from Michigan State this year is Loyola going to be good enough to be the kind of team that can make a run that can challenge somebody in the second round what, what do you think of, on that given that team
1: full transparency Loyola Chicago hasn't played anybody for me to know and they have a new head coach is it going to go well we don't know they've played probably you had the list here what was the list it was UIC Chicago State
0: Illinois, uh, Chicago, Chicago State, Coppin State, and Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah.
1: So, what are we talking about here? The best team out of that group's Florida Gulf Coast. Do you Do you know anybody who plays for them?
0: Uh, I don't. don't think not you, do, uh, you that? Brett Comer is still there. I think that his uh, his eligibility has run out, so no idea. <laughs> so there you go. I
1: did point blank period. I, I don't know. Crutwick Crut has gone. So, I mean, that obviously took out a lot of everything that they were doing last year. Do they still have some guys I'm sure that can shoot it? No question. But Michigan State, despite getting uh, house by Kansas, I think still wins that game. They're just going to overwhelm physically, which is what Izzo has gotten his teams to do for a long time. So let's just say UConn plays Michigan State. What do you say?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably going to end up that way. But, you know, to give credit where it's due, Loyola Chicago is – they're going to be, you know, they're going to be tough defensively, and you know they're yep. going to beat themselves. Um, but Porter- first year coach, head coach, yeah, like Drew Valentine, I think has a chance to be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that he necessarily has to coach great to be able to win the games that he's won so far. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how th- we're going to get a gauge on some teams in this event, whether it's UConn, whether it's Baylor. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but I think Loyola is absolutely one of the teams where it's like we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna find out if this team is. is good enough to make a run of the tournament again, or just, you know, uh, a typical good mid-major kind of a deal, right?
1: Yeah. I don't have much to add to that. Yeah. They, 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 we just have to have, we just have to see them play somebody. And we got to see how Valentine acts whenever he's, his team's punched punch in the mouth and he has to manufacture some buckets. This is a new situation for him. And, and I don't care, you know, it, there, there's so many times where an assistant's like, well, I would have done this. Well, I would have done that. And they—I've never talked to a coach who's backstabbed his coach. This is like thinking, like this is thinking, like what I could have done in this situation. It's a lot different being in that main seat. It's going to be interesting to see how Valentine reacts.
0: Yep. Um, all right. So Michigan State, just for people to to kind of give them a little bit of a, an update on who this team is, uh, they've added a transfer starting at the point guard spot, um, Tyson Wheeler. Who is? Uh, or t- I'm sorry, Tyson Walker. Uh, the Northeastern. Northeastern transfer who has not been great. And that's kind of been the big knock on the is They don't really have a point guard. Uh, it's hard to know who exactly like their best five man is as well. Marcus Bingham has been good, but I don't know if I trust Marcus Bingham at this point yet. He is a senior. Um, they have a bunch of guys that are like good role players in, in, in Malik Hall and Gabe Brown, who's, who's still there but neither of those guys have have ever done anything in their career to make me say anything more than like, yeah, you know what? They probably have a chance to be good. Maybe Uh, Joey Hauser can make a lot of shots. Um, Joey Hauser. Uh, He's not, he's
1: not a Michigan state player. No, I'm just going to say this as plainly, and I'm sure he's a great kid. I'm not taking this away from the kind of person or human he is. He's not a Michigan state kind of dude. He's a step slow. He struggles to guard. He rebounds. Okay. He shoots it on the lesser side of okay during his time in East Lansing. He's not that. Uh Gabe Brown's been pretty good though. I'm pulling up his stats right now. He has shot the ball well this year. Now he had a bad he had a bad game in the first one at the Champions Classic, but for the most part he's averaging 14 a game. He's averaging 14 a game. He could shoot the ball better, only 7 of 22 so far for the year, but I, I like that kid. He, he needs shots manufactured for him. Yes, that's the problem. That is the problem. I don't problem.
0: know if they have the guy to do that. Um, to me, uh, the, the key to this team is going to end up being Max Christie. Long-term, yes. he's probably their best NBA prospect. He had 18 against Butler. He had 13 against Eastern uh, Michigan. He's a guy that can um, eventually be the guy that, that, that can maybe uh, be a, a guy, someone that can take over a game for you, that can be yeah. a um, I think AJ Hoggard is going to end up playing more minutes. Uh, Hogard, I, I never pronounced Hogard. Hogard, yeah, Hogard. Uh, I, yeah, he, I, that was
1: that's been a pleasant surprise. Is Hogard? I, I mean, he is a big physical dude. He doesn't shoot a ton of threes. He kind of gets in there like twenty assists to nineteen to, to nine turnovers, two to one t- assist to turnover ratio. You got to like that. Now, is he going to get in there and fan balls out and hit these beautiful passes? No, but he can get into the paint and figure some things out. And with a team, and that's the problem, right? That's the problem. Like, they have to have somebody that manufactures buckets. I will say this, though. Well, that, I mean, we don't is, have
0: anyone that makes life easier for the rest of the – That's right. Part of the all right. their role players aren't great is they don't really have anyone that makes life easier for anybody else on the roster. That's, the that's right. I and mean, I think that when you have a team where you're going to try to do everything one-on-one, that's something that you can – and probably, to be honest, loyal Chicago can take advantage of.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. It's just if Michigan State slows it down, controls the boards – Michigan State with Max Christie, he had a couple of next level moves against Butler. Yeah, that did. little step out, step through, left handed finger roll, that's a 1% college player move. And what I mean by that, only 1% of college players can make it with that much shift and then that much length and, and how big a step that was. Like he he's a very good process, but like you, he's a very good player. But uh, like you said, he kind of has to have some things manufactured for him. Uh, you know, this team needs a severe wheeler, and you're not going to get it midseason. Like they they need somebody like that. They
0: need, I mean, they need Tyson Walker to step up and be the guy that he was at Northeastern. I don't know if he can be that. I'm not saying he can't. I just I, he has he hasn't yet. And he needs to be. So we'll see if he can get there. All right, let's talk about the bracket. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, one more thing. Tyson Walker, when he was at Northeastern, he was score first, and then after he scored, that's when he got all of his assists. So, like, his initial thing whenever he was at Northeastern was, all right, I'm going to start off the game good. I'm going to be aggressive early. After I score a couple, that's when I'm going to get my five assists. Mm -hmm. Now, his mentality has shifted from I'm going to be the guy to I'm going to set up the guys. And it's kind of taken away what he was really good at last year. And it's still an adjustment. This is an adjustment process. They're only, what, four, and, four three and one? They've only played four games. Like, for him to figure that out, it takes time, especially the kid who's been in one system his entire collegiate career.
0: Yep. All right, let's talk about the other side of that bracket. We have Syracuse playing VCU and Baylor playing Arizona State. And I'll tell you this much. Uh, whoever UConn ends up playing on that third day on, on, on Friday um, – As long as it's not VCU, then I'm going to be fired up for that game. No matter what happens, no matter how this plays out, as long as they don't end up playing VCU, we get UConn, Syracuse, and Atlantis. That's going to be
1: awesome.
0: Huge. Arizona State, Dan Hurley against Bob Hurley. That'll be awesome for us. I know the Hurleys are going to absolutely hate that, but it'll be (laughs) awesome for us, the people that are watching it. And my guess, and what I think is going to end up happening, is if we get UConn and Baylor in the the Maui or I'm sorry, in the Atlantis title game. That is going to be a high, high high-level basketball game. Uh, Let's start with Baylor just because I think there's a real chance that they're a top-five team again this season, T.O.
1: They're good. And your main man, James Akinjo, kind of makes everything work. And Kendall Brown, we talk about pro talent. That guy has it. Incredible length, incredible athleticism. Baylor's just as good. We're not even talking about Matthew Meyer yet. It's – uh, Baylor's just as good. That's a train that's just going to keep on rolling. I, lo- I love that Baylor team. Uh Who they play? They play Arizona State in the first round. I think they're going to they're they're definitely going to win. Not maybe win that game. I think they will win that game.
0: They, they uh, just they just rolled Stanford by forty.
1: Yeah, but Stanford stinks. Still, Stanford, you know, yeah, they stink.
0: Beating, if you're beating any high major power conference program by forty, I mean that's yes. they held them to forty eight points. They beat them by forty. How often do you see high major teams beat other high major teams by 40, 40? Yeah,
1: yeah but outside the top three teams in the Pac 12, it might as well be a mid major conference the way they've been going.
0: You're not wrong. You are not wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. Hey, look, you're right. They're overwhelming. They get Flow Thumb as a good rim protector. They've got a lot of guys at Baylor, and they're a tough out, man. They're yeah, a they, tough they, out. They, Baylor stinks, they, though. I mean, not Baylor. No, it's Stanford stinks, not Baylor. Well, Stanford the, stinks.
0: The thing that's, that, that's standing out to me right now, um, First and foremost, L.J. Cryer is averaging 18 points a game, shooting 50-something percent from three. He's been awesome. Your man, Kendall Brown, uh, they were raving about him heading into the season. He's, he's looked apart. He is kind of perfect in that uh, it's almost like a more skilled, kind of Mark vital role that they have playing in the sense that he's mm. kind of like the, the athletic kind of do-it-all guy, um, but he's more he's more talented offensively than vital. I don't know if he'll, he's anywhere near as good defensively or quite as versatile. But that's kind of the role that they're they're putting him in. Matthew Meyer has not quite gotten it going yet. Um, he's still – you know, I think he needs to see a couple go in. He needs – you know what he needs? He needs one good shoot night to get this thing going again, get this thing headed back in the right direction. I, he, he's missed his last ten threes. You um, know what I mean? That dude is going to end up being a, uh, an NBA player at some point. Um, and, you know, it, they, they go – This stuff
1: happens. This stuff happens.
0: They, they, they go eight, nine, ten deep. They're, they're a – they're they a really really good team, um, and I think if UConn plays them in the final, that's going to be something that is uh, that, that is going to be a significant significant test. Real quick, we can just kind of touch on Arizona State and Syracuse. Arizona State lost their first game at home to UC Riverside. I'm not, I'm not. They have talent, but I'm not. I just don't see. It. I don't see it with this Arizona State team. I've never seen it with this Arizona State team, so uh, I don't know. Do you have any other takes on that?
1: No, the kid who transferred from Boston College is a good player, and he fits that system really well. Um, golly, brain fart. Uh, can get him off in a hurry, led Boston College. And, man, we, we talk about so many players, Doster. Like, I realize, like, we should be better about, like, picking up names. But, but uh, I'm blanking on it. But they have guys. They have guys who can score it. They're obviously adjusting to life after Remy Martin. Uh, that just – it hasn't been consistent enough. Uh, so far and then losing to Riverside at home uh, obviously hurts so I I think uh, Baylor obviously advances there
0: yeah Uh, Jay Heath is the kid that you're thinking of Jay
1: Heath yeah gosh I'm the worst played for team Mello like I know his whole background I I just blanked on his name Jay Heath he's a good player averaged what 15 16 points a game last year for Jim Christian on a bad team yeah like those uh like they brought in some guys that are pretty good. It's just you got to put I mean, it together. I got Ronzo
0: Gaffney there, Luther Muhammad, the transfer from, uh, mm-hmm. from Ohio State, is there. Marcus Bagley's still a guy that that might end up being a, you know first round pick at some point if you can kind of put it all together. So, uh, but they're two and two for a reason. You know, I'm just not. Uh, I'm going to have to see it before I believe it from Arizona State. And then as far as Syracuse, is, like VCU, two of their top three players are done for the year with injuries. They can't score. It's it's a it's a down year for VCU. And it sucks. I like Mike Rhodes. Um, I think that's a good program, but they're they're not really worth uh, mentioning too much on. Um, no. Nope. On the other side of the bracket. Hold uh, on, Sarah- hey, hold on, hold
1: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's not, let's not like take away UT Chattanooga's big road win in a bye game up there. <laughs> but a good SOCON team. Let, let, let's, let's not downplay the SOCON here. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, I'm not downplaying the, so- <laughs> the SOCON. I'm just saying like VC, like it's, we typically think of VCU as like a kind of right around the top 25. Yeah. That's team in the 8 ten, and they're just not this year. They're, they're, they got they got fight injuries so um, it is what it is. Syracuse just gave up 100 points to Colgate. I don't know what else to say cool. about that. Yeah. 100 team, points to Colgate.
1: Tina yeah, shoots the ball well. You can beat Syracuse, and when you're small and everybody jacks them up, every now and then you'll beat Syracuse. And that's the thing, too. Like, if you have time to prepare for Syracuse, you can beat them because there's holes in the zone. Like I, I, know they've 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 switched it up. They've brought the bottom wings up high. All this, that, and the other to try to guard the three more. Uh, if you have time to prepare for Syracuse's zone, you can, if, and you shoot the ball well, you can beat Syracuse. Especially if you attack the offensive glass because the zone leaves them susceptible to offensive rebounds. Yeah, but
0: it's also worth noting that in, in typical seasons, when they have the kind of link they have in their zone, they have crazy athletes. That yes this year cole swider not athletic buddy Baham not athletic jimmy beheim not athletic joe girard uh, is actually probably more athletic than people realize but like he's got he's six one with a with a with a minus wingspan and um just not the kind of you want like right. a highest battle on the top of that zone you want uh someone like a Kadari Richmond on the top of that zone Joe Gerard right. like not not ideal for this
1: they, they they substitute the- Instead of the, the Syracuse zone probably being a strength this year, it's probably holding them together so that they can outscore you because yep. they have so many guys that can shoot it. I just, but this is where you run into problems. Now, like if you have to prepare for that zone over the course of 24 hours and get your guys ready to play, it's difficult, which is why you see Syracuse always uh, make a run in the tournament because it is so hard to play against that zone with the length that they have. But if you're able to prepare for it a little bit, then you can give it some problems because there's holes.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, they're, they'll probably get, my guess is they'll get Baylor in the second round. Uh, mm. We'll have basically 24 hours to get ready for it. But we, the, the biggest, the biggest hole in that zone is one, uh, the, the offensive rebounding and two. Um, I think that this year they're going to be more susceptible to, to teams that can hit the three and teams that pass the ball really well. They can mm-hmm. kind of get the ball into the high post and to the short corners. Uh, you have a chance to really break them down. I think that Baylor is a good enough passing team um, to make that happen. So, If you get
1: get the ball in the high post. So, like, what what they do when they get the high, it's it's kind of a weird rotation. Like, what they do, that ball goes in the high post. The middle guy will come up and take it. And then the top guards, instead of pressuring the ball, they'll fan out to find shooters. So, what you have is if you have a guard in the middle of that zone and he gets the ball, you can back out and the five is going to follow you. Yep. Like Tony Bennett figured this out the other day. Like there's there's ways to beat that zone. It's just a matter of if their length is going to be long enough and athletic enough to guard you on that end. Yeah,
0: but yeah, I think yeah. this year it's
1: more so like let's outscore
0: them. Yeah, well, what Virginia did was they put Ty Jerome at the high post and had him dribble out. And then all of a sudden you have – it completely mucks up everything they want to do. Yep. Uh, and that's how Virginia was able to light up Syracuse in a couple of years where Syracuse was actually a really good defensive team. So I would expect Baylor to do something similar. Scott Drew was smart enough to be able to figure that out. So uh, gun, gun to head, what is your prediction for what UConn is going to be able to do in this event?
1: I think they can beat Michigan state if they can get turnovers and take off with it. And, and another thing is if you can make Michigan state score on their like, make them give it up. And then, like, if you guard the ball against Michigan State, you should be fine. As long as you don't – I don't know, man. They, they should win. Their guards should overwhelm them. I'm not – I haven't been overly impressed. Uh, take care of the boards against Michigan State. Then you could typically do okay. Um, you guard them, make them shoot over the top. I think you're good, except for Max Christie. Except for Max Christie. you let You keep him in check, you should be in good shape. I don't know if that explained anything. That was awful. But, like, if you keep Max Christie in check, don't let him go for 30 – you keep Gabe Brown, make him make something happen with the basketball, which is which is not what he's great at, I think you got a chance and you control the boards.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the toughest matchup out of there would be Loyola, but I, I think that UConn should be able to get to the final of this event, and I don't know if they can beat Baylor. I'll just be frank. Like, Baylor's really, really good. Uh, and you're a
1: UConn guy, so that's,
0: yeah. that hurts I mean, things. You know, I, I, want, I want to see that matchup happen because I think that's going to let us know just how good UConn can be. But uh-huh. I, I really do think that Baylor is a, a top five team in the country this year. I think that they, uh, they're, they're very, very good. Uh, so if you, if you gets there, um, they'll probably be like maybe six or seven point underdogs. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it'll be a tough game for them to win. They can do it. I do think that they can do it. They're they're They have the talent and they have the players to kind of make it happen. But if, they end up playing Baylor in the final I think they will probably lose that game so that's my prediction is UConn gets to the final and um and I can't hang on to beat Baylor but I hope they do I hope they do mm. yep all right T.O. this has been fun man thanks for jumping on this was top dogs
1: all right man appreciate you big east guy huge big east guy
0: big east guy down there you go